Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin. Hi and welcome back to Bitcoin Roundtable everyone. Vince here. I am here with Darren and Libby. This is episode 43 and we would like to welcome JD and Jared from Patron. Gentlemen, welcome to Bitcoin Roundtable. So uh, JD and I are both uh, core team members on uh, Patron, which essentially is a Japanese influencer marketing platform that ICO'd back in May. Uh, so raised 40 million USD at that point, so got in kind of right before the market collapsed uh, and the ICO market took a hit. Uh, and we are an influencer marketing platform that connects brands, fans, and uh, also influencers themselves and allows them to monetize their content uh, without having to go through like an agency or middleman, uh, which, you know, previously in the entertainment world was a big pain point. Uh, fees could be up to, you know, 30, 40%. Uh, by cutting out the middleman, we're able to cut the fees down to four to 6%, uh, which is pretty drastic. So that that's it in a uh, nutshell. Uh, the core team is in Japan and then JD and I are two of the uh, external team members that work pretty closely with the team in Japan. Gentlemen, I'm curious about the competition you're up against. How can our listeners find out more about your platform and where should they go to find this information out? And say if I were an influencer, describe that process um, in regards to the influencer, what they would need to do and how would they need to go about it? Sure. JD, do you want to take that one? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for the. That was a, a lot of questions packed into one. Kind of like a uh, like a Starburst. You got all these different great flavors all into one. So I'll try to address them each one. As far as competition, there's about 240 or more influencer platforms in the world. Um, we are the only global influencer platform, which is another one of the big problems with the market. And we solve that also by utilizing the, um, blockchain technology and. In, in creating a tokenization of all social media transactions, which cuts out the intermediaries like banks and all that stuff, which makes it very difficult to do cross-border penetration or uh, any kind of global commerce. Uh, so that's one quick thing with there. So the competition, if we weren't util- utilizing um, tokens and digital currencies, blockchain would be you know very steep. But um, because we're only global one, we're very confident um, because outside of both, well, the big reason, um, well, first and foremost, normal influencer marketing platforms in the U.S. has most of them. They have a problem they can't scale, uh, and they don't truly have a network effect, which is, as you know, as a, uh, a marketplace platform model is one of the biggest reasons they're successful is because of the network effect, and they lack that, those two uh, core kind of uh, functionalities, so they always cap out. There's only been really like one acquisition on uh, an influencer marketing platform, and that was FameBit that I think Google ended up buying, but they were literally like the first one ever in history. So we're solving that problem as well through another core features, including the blockchain. Influencers, you know, first let me say we another core thing that we do, which is great, is our platform covers micro and macro. Micro is anywhere from, you know, 500 to 1,000 followers up to maybe like 100, 200, probably more like 100. And then macro influencers like 100,000 and up. 
you know, to the really super famous ones. Platforms nowadays only have micro or macro, which on traditional campaigns, especially with the bigger brands, a lot of times they will use both macro and micro. So they'll have, let's just say, you know, like a Paris Hilton leading the forefront. A lot of the budget goes to them leading the product that they're promoting. And then they'll seed it out to a huge community of micro influencers at less, lesser costs, you know, for whatever's left over their budget. So what they have to do, um, brands have to go to two different platforms to do that. But us, they can come straight to us. So we're kind of like this. Anyone can sign up pretty much. Other than we, we do have technology that will kind of um, dive in. We have algorithms that will go and check the, the user's account, make sure it's real, a real following and real fans and stuff. But pretty much anyone can get on the platform. You know, we're, we're not like um, approving them. And then if influencers want to get on our platform, they can just look us up at www.patron.influencer.com. Gentlemen, I know your market's global. What obstacles have you run into trying to work that? The money that was raised in the ICO, where did you direct that money to? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, we've been pretty, you know, careful with our money. I mean, we're definitely expanding to cover uh, the global operations. So kind of the key aspects of that is establishing an office in the U.S. So the team has been, uh, you know, going to just about every major conference in San Francisco over the last couple of months, uh, meeting potential partners, meeting VCs in the area, uh, scoping out office space. And then obviously at the core of this is the product development itself. Uh, I think to address your second question, it kind of ties into both. So product development is, you know, engineers are expensive, right? Especially good ones. So that's where the majority of the money is going. I mean, as far as, you know, non-core team member expenses. And under that, I mean, I think the first challenge we had is we built out, you know, a pretty detailed set of mock-ups and we started building out the functionality. Then we really took a step back and looked at it and we're like, okay, this is a very Asia-centric kind of prototype that we put together, which is great considering, you know, you have to think the project was born out of Japan uh, from an existing platform that was non-blockchain. Uh, the CEO of the project is an influencer himself, so he was a singer, dancer. You know, got to a pretty established level in Japan in the past. I think he currently has 150,000 followers on Instagram, so you know, pretty substantial. But, you know, we want to build out a global platform, so I think, you know, to be completely transparent, the key questions we had initially was, okay, we want to build out kind of, you know, an Asia-centric platform that targets Japan, maybe a couple of other core territories, and then go from there after we validated it or do we just want to create something that is catered toward towards a more global audience right so maybe something a little less visual uh, a little less going on more minimal aesthetically uh you know that was the big i would say first hurdle that we had during that process and you know it's it's still ongoing as with any product we're testing a lot of things we're building various prototypes we're getting feedback from people and this is you know probably going to take us realistically into q1 of next year before we have something that we feel is, is ready to ship out. Guys, as far as your influencers go, what are you generally doing to, you know, grade these influencers or separate them from each other? Completely open. I mean, I think it's the beauty of our platform, as JD kind of mentioned. There's this very underserved kind of niche market of micro-influencers. So it can be everything from, like, somebody who's into gardening. And I always use this example because it's something you'd never think of, but somebody who maybe posts pictures of, you know, the gardening activities they do and give tips on how to, you know, fertilize. Like, little things like that you'd never think of can be monetized because somewhere out there, you know, there's a direct correlation with brands that cater to that segment. Uh, and then a whole other 
secondary market around that. So maybe it's not, you know, a, a brand that's focused on gardening, but maybe they're selling outdoor equipment and they know people who garden or spend, you know, spend a lot of times outdoors and they'd be a good segment to go after. So we're pretty open about that. And I think that's, you know, what sets us apart. We're not going after who we are, but not specifically like fashion or design or artists, uh, even though they're more than welcome to be on the platform. And, you know, we think they're going to be a large portion of that population just because it comes natural to, you know, being an influencer. Uh, we're also welcoming everybody else. And I think that's, you know, pretty, pretty unique in that case. Well, that's great. Sounds like you're wide open to almost anything and anybody who comes to you. Completely. Yeah. You know, we would love to help, you know, somebody in Argentina that has two or 3,000 followers and a limited income to monetize content and hopefully make something of this. And, you know, that's kind of the aspiration we have. Okay, forgive me for saying this, but I'm kind of an old dog. <laughs> you know, I've had many like, opportunities in Reddit, you know, because I follow a lot of Reddit and Bitcoin. There's a, often a Discord cat invites and I know the patron is it is it pronounced patron or patron or like tequila or do you, could you possibly eliminate me on that? <laughs> yeah, pa- patron. We like to say patron. Uh, it gets often pronounced both ways, but we, we say patron. Okay, so <laughs> now the patron platform it supports, I'm assuming, all forms of media such as articles and videos. There. Any one area of media that it specializes in, or does it just cover all bases? And I guess the next question is I would like to know from a guy who's looking outside in, what are the aspects that make it so desirable and popular? Okay, that, I can touch on that question. The first one, because we're, we're like a hybrid of a kind of influencer marketing platform mixed with there's a community feed in there, so influencers are allowed to upload content. There will be static images and video. Um, but then, when since we are a uh, sharing economy, which is in layman's terms, we're basically a marketplace um, to connect brands with influencers, influencers with influencers, and fans with influencers. There will be a project management system on our back end, so a brand jumps on our platform who are used to like machine learning and our um, influencer valuation algorithm that quantifies the value of an influencer, they will have recommendations that fit their brand based upon when they fill out like, a small survey when joining. They'll say, here's the, our best picks for what will fit your brand, for your campaign. You go on the project management system. Um, you can do an automated message that reaches out to the influencers. The whole system's automated. You do the deals there. The job gets done. The influencer sends the, uh, uploads the content straight on there. And then through our platform, which is one of our other unique features that no other platforms has, you can uh, distribute it out on all major social media platforms. So kind of like a mini version of Hootsuite within our platform. So that's another pain point that we solve is the, um, the life cycle, you know, of the search all the way to the end and closing of the, of the deal of the brand with the influencer. They, at the end of that, brand would have to go then take off, you know, pull out, download all the content that they shot, then send it off to their marketing department. Then they would have to go here and do that. It's all fragmented. We can do everything full cycle with their platform. So that touches on that. I think the other question was, do we support all kinds of, of influencers? Is that what it was? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, as Jared said, it's it's broad. If, you know, we have, you know, fitness, fashion, music, acting, comedy, you know, you name it across the board. And that's where influencers can, when they sign up, they can, they can select which 
you know, which vertical that they, they're more, you know, in line with. So it sounds like you've got quite a back-end system. Very big. Yeah, those, and that's a lot of our, you know, again, a lot of, like, we showed you our, like, our pitch deck and our, our, our business model and everything. You you know, there's a lot of problems in the marketplace, and we're pretty much solved all of them. And that's because of our background. We're all experts in this field, and we've dealt with it for so many years, you know. Well, knowing Google shut down their Google Plus uh, platform a while back, I guess there's not much of a threat from Google. And uh, I'm assuming Facebook is fairly conventional. It almost seems like it's already lost its edge to the younger crowd. Is it even comparable to Facebook in any way, or is it just, they just totally two separate platforms? They're separate. Yeah, they are. Facebook's is so like purely social media, you know, and has turned it now to streaming video, and they've lost their own original content, you know, and stuff like that. But we're primarily a, a marketplace. If you look at like it's simple terms, we're just we're a marketplace with buyers and sellers, and we basically have tokenized the social media transaction in, in engagement or interaction uh, ecosystem. You say it utilizes blockchain. Is it is it a fully decentralized blockchain? Like I'm assuming. Yeah. So globally, you have people hosting um, your server, your software, and they probably get paid in the, the token that your platform runs on or something like that. Yeah, our platform currently is built on ERC-20s using the PATH token, P-A-T, which is that's the reason why we're solving that this industry needs blockchain. We're just not just a company that says, let's just throw on blockchain. This industry, there is, like Jared said, an underserved market. There's a lot of problems with it that blockchain actually truly solves. And But right now we're built on you know, Ethereum, as we mentioned, but that was just initially to get going. But we are currently looking at all the other, uh, Tron and, and Neo and a bunch of other companies right now and EOS because they have faster, cheaper systems for blockchain. And we can do a lot more transactions. That's what we're currently working on as well and meeting with all those teams. A couple of random questions. I'm curious as to, uh, are you noticing higher rates of implementation in certain countries compared to others? I'm kind of curious about the experience you've had so far. Yeah, I can take this. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at, like, mobile penetration rates globally, Asia is at, you know, if not the highest, probably the highest, right? So if you look at, like, Southeast Asia on average, and this might be an outdated stat by a year or so, but last time I checked, the average person had, like, 1.26 smartphones, so they live on the phone, right? I mean, it's literally crazy. Um, you know, I got started my career, actually, you know, after uh, grad school in Southeast Asia at a company that was doing e-commerce so we're you know, we had all this data around like mobile phone usage and it was just incredible to see uh, so people have credit cards now they live on the phone content actions they do day-to-day is on the phone so uh you know for us asia is probably i would argue the most critical market along with the u.s and canada to start off with and so we're getting a good reception korea especially japan naturally um the u.s we've done a couple of big influencer marketing campaigns already to promote the platform which were done in the traditional sense ironically so we kind of saw the pain points of how hard it was to get somebody uh you know a deal done it would take you know i think two to three weeks on average so kind of validated our models it was funny to do that kind of real time and see if anything's changed over the last couple of years. Still pretty difficult to, to make a deal with an influencer offline right now. Uh, but yeah, I think Asia, the U.S., and we'll just go from there and keep receiving feedback and and you know just be uh, fluid with it. I think is, is the 
skeptical. And I guess the, the big question is, are, are you actually seeing growth? I mean, look, I mean, there's there's two challenges, I think, when you're running uh, a tokenized platform that did an ICO. You have a community that is obviously monetarily uh, influenced, right? So they bought into the token. Obviously, we have not been spared from the bear market that we're all currently in. I think everybody's hit hard, uh, ourselves included. So the token price definitely is not at the point we'd you know, ideally want it to be. So we're trying to satisfy that community. Plus, maybe are learning about cryptocurrency for the first time. And maybe that's their segue into cryptocurrencies and wanting to use the platform uh, and needing to you know, have a basic understanding to be able to use the platform so two different sides two challenges i mean it's hard i think i've wanted uh you know we are attracting the right people we're doing different different campaigns to attract people marketing uh, is strong right now so getting people attracted to the platform and signing up but i think you know obviously the token price is the never-ending kind of struggle every ico founding team is going through right now ourselves included is is how do we get that up naturally right without having to you know one day hacks which are not very effective in the long term. What I've been running into, maybe somewhat even in my personal experience as well, is the rate of change of, of software and even platforms for marketing is, is so substantial. Are you running into influencers that are really, you know, they're using YouTube obviously because it's just the number of viewers on it. And, you know, in my opinion, maybe yours is kind of a legacy system where the YouTube itself gains a, a lot of the, the money and the influencers don't really get that much. But is it really just they don't understand what is possible out there or is it really just the numbers maybe just a million listeners on youtube versus such a small number of listeners out there trying new things as of yet yeah it's a really great question i mean in my opinion i think jd feel free to chime in but i mean people are getting squeezed right so after facebook acquired instagram uh, the algorithm was updated so engagement rates naturally fell from 10 percent down to like two percent yeah. so you know probably two percent of the people would see post on average which is tough and even you know youtube's policy i mean monetization on youtube's becoming extremely difficult too even for the top people uh you know like vloggers like casey neistat have done dedicated episodes on that how it's getting so tough and you see these other platforms coming up that are really trying to reward the content creators and give them more back uh, and we you know we feel like we're in a good position if we can actually ship the product um and then you know bug free have it usable and start that user acquisition it'll be at the perfect time where majority of the people that are creating content that are trying to monetize it are going to be completely fed up and looking for other solutions and then you know we'll, we'll kind of be there to seize the opportunity that's that's kind of what we're hoping for i, I agree with you it, it feels like to me level of advertising on youtube and the degree of decline in monetization for creators is pushing them into an uncomfortable place where maybe, you know, they were, if you've grown to become dependent kind of on, you know, the money from YouTube and your audience, and, you know, when it gets cut by half, it kind of gives you a kick in the butt to start looking elsewhere. So, yes. in, in a way, perhaps, it's, it's good. It's good for you, you know, it's good for a patron to have this experience with the new culture. We'll have a podcast on there too, guys, so... Please keep it up. <laughs> oh, all right. Gentlemen, I was on your website and I was 
looking at some big events you have coming up in the near future and I was wondering if you would like to speak a little bit about them and any other notes and things that maybe something you'd like to leave with our listeners before we wrap up. Yeah, sure. Uh, JD, I'll take Sorry. this one and jump in. No, yeah, no problem. Yeah, we've been very busy on the event circuit. Uh, JD and I have two upcoming, one of them in Malta, uh, second one in Eastern Europe uh, that we're still finalizing details on. But uh, the team was just at Tokyo Unbound, uh, so it was a pretty big blockchain conference. Uh, so, yeah, we're constantly kind of on the road, so chances are one of us will be crossing paths with your listeners at some point in the near future we're pretty mobile in that regard Uh, yeah just yeah in general like we're very open team uh feel free to interact with us uh we can sit over our you know social media all of us are very open so any questions anybody has or even you know if they want to learn more about influencer marketing we have tons of stats that we've pulled and data we're happy to share that uh and just give people a primer on that before uh pitching our product obviously give some value and then and then ask for signups after right Thank you very much for taking the time to come on Bitcoin Roundtable this week. Appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Had a blast. Thanks again. Yeah, likewise, guys. Thank Good you, guys. Bitcoin Roundtable. Random musings and interviews about Bitcoin.